super pumped to be here tonight. Super pumped for Collide, last series of the semester, the miracle of Christmas. Really excited. Who's excited for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. Raise your hand if Christmas is not your favorite holiday. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do you not love the Lord? Jeez. I'm just kidding. Uh, We are in our last series of the semester called The Miracle of Christmas, uh, talking about what Christmas means for us as if you're here tonight and you're someone who knows Jesus, what that means when we look, when we talk about what the miracle of Christmas is. Uh, We have two weeks of Miracle of Christmas and we'll have a YouTube night that's going to be awesome. You can submit videos for that. We already have a lot, but we'd love to have more. We want you to invite your friends to that. Um, you can also invite your friends next week as we wrap up the miracle of Christmas. But tonight, as we get started, I want to. Do, do you guys have like a, a morning routine that you do? Anybody? Yeah, like because if you don't do it, your whole day's off, and you may not get out of the house on time or get to school. Uh, yeah, I, I feel that we we have one in this Tivic house this morning. Uh, like most mornings, we hit the snooze on our phones eight or nine times. Uh, most Wednesdays, uh, Hillary will drop me off here, and then she'll take. Her car to work because I'm here real late and she has to go pick up Riker. Uh, and this morning she said, hey, if, we, if I'm taking you to work, we have to get up in two minutes. Or if you're going to take me, we have seven minutes. <laughs> We're sleeping for seven more minutes, baby. Uh, because I wanted some sleep. But, but, so that's part of our routine is hitting that snooze button. Then finally we do get up. Uh, she goes and does like brushes her teeth and gets her makeup on so she can look nice and pretty. I go make coffee because I'm a good husband. Uh, and then I take our dog down. Uh, because I'm also a good husband, and she gets our child ready because I, he may not make it past uh, morning time if I have to get him ready. And uh, so we do those things. I come upstairs. I do, I, listen, this doesn't happen by accident, okay? I, I, I take some time in the bathroom, okay? I, like, I look good, and I want to. That's okay. Um, so, so that's part of our morning routine. And then, then I pour the coffee, and then she gets Riker's chocolate milk, and then we head for the door, and then one of us has forgotten at least three things, so we head back inside to grab those things, and finally, we make it out the door, and we're on our way. And that, that's, that's a basic morning in the Stippic House. I know, it sounds really exciting, and you wish you could be a part of it, but you can't. You have your own morning routines, and that's okay, because we all have these routines and these methods that we, that we have to get things done. Um, we, in like, I have a method for how I get stuff done at work. I have a to-do list that I walk through every day and every week. And on that to-do list, I have the, the things that I have to do, I have methods for how I get those things done because I like my job and I want to keep my job and I want those things to get done. And if I don't have to-do lists and methods, it won't get done. That's not good for anybody. Now, we're close to Christmas, and there's one person specifically at Christmas time that has a really big job to do, uh, and without some specific methods... That job ain't getting done. Can I get a what what for Santa in this room tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Santa's got a big job. Y'all, he's got to get presents to everybody in the world. And as a kid, this like straight up fascinated me. I could not comprehend it. It it consumed a lot of my time. I I can tell you that right now. Um, And and like there's like wiki articles online. There's been like actual like, People like do research on, on like what this takes and what this is like. And you can judge me for this, but one of the best explanations that I've seen comes from one of my favorite Christmas movies called The Santa Claus, starring Tim Allen, one of the greatest actors of all time. And in this movie, this clip we're about to watch, um, Charlie, the, the son, is explaining to his stepdad how Santa does his job because uh, Santa is his dad. So let's hit the lights and play this clip real quick. 
Yeah. Charlie. He ain't playing games. Uh, this, this answered the question for me. I was like, got it. Check. That's how it's done. So excited, happy, ready to move on. I like that movie. It's, it's my favorite uh, Christmas movie. We watch it. We watch all three every year. Hillary has a hard time with the third one because it has Martin Short and she is scared of him. Uh, but we watch all three every year at Christmas. And, and I, I love it because it like satisfies my need to know like how Santa works. But, but part of the fun of Santa is like the mystery. Like we, we don't know. And so that, that's part of the fun. But again, as, as we talk about Christmas, as people who are, who are following Jesus, Christmas is about more than Santa and presents. It's about Jesus. It's about God and what God has done uh, at, at this time. And so, so the miracle, the method of Christmas is that we're invited into the story of God. You and I are invited into doing what God comes down to do at Christmas. We're taught a lot of methods in our lives. Uh, when you were younger, you were taught a method that your parents wanted you to use to clean your room. Uh, sometimes that method was do it before I come in there and beat you silly, but that's a method. Uh, and, and so you're taught a method to uh, be a member of your family, to clean your room, to make your bed, to do dishes, to participate in, in who your family is. You're taught methods in school for writing a sentence, for solving a math problem. And sometimes you're taught the method for solving that math problem over and over and over and over again because you just don't get it. Not that that was my experience. I just know that it's some people's. Um, and, then, and then you're taught the scientific method. There's like these seven or eight things. And I know that because my wife is a fourth grade science teacher and she teaches the scientific method. So we're taught methods for how to understand things, how to work things out, how to, how to make sense of things in a lot of kinds of areas of our lives. We have a method. We have lots of methods here in our church for how we reach people in our community, for how we tell people uh, in our community about who Jesus is. Brett talked earlier about Merry Christmas of Love. That's something we do every year. The, the canned food items that you're bringing on Sunday mornings and the can collecting we're going to go out and do next Sunday, that's all for Merry Christmas of Love. And, and what we do is we take all that canned food and there will be uh, a week, the week of the uh, 12th of December, that there will be people up here all week packing these boxes full of food and toys and some things like that for families in our community uh, that wouldn't have Christmas if there were not churches like ours and other churches and organizations like Blue Santa and Brown Santa uh, that, that help provide that for them. And we've done this for a long time. And, and for a long time, uh, we, would, we would take the applications, we would meet the people, we'd find out their needs, we'd pack the box, we'd bring it to them, uh, we'd tell them about our church, and we tell them we love you, we'd love to see you uh, come hang out with us sometime. That, there's nothing wrong with that. But this year, one of the changes that we made in that process is we said, if, 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 you're gonna, if we're going to take the time and, and the effort and the resources and, and kind of bring this, you serve your family, so we want to do that. We love you. But one of the things that, that we want to do is to be able to come into your house and sit down and, and share the gospel with you, tell you who Jesus Christ is, and ask if you're ready to accept him into your, into your life. And again, that, that's a, it's a small thing. We, we tell people, uh, hey, we love Jesus, and so we want to serve you. That's great. But, but the change that we've made is we, we want to be intentional. We want to come into your home where you are and tell you about who Jesus is instead of just handing you this box and hoping that maybe someday you might come see us, you might decide to come hang out with us. So when we as a church and when we here on Wednesday nights, we have shirts out there that say, uh, love God, love people, and help others do the same. We're not just talking about doing that. That's, that's what we want to do. That's what we, the, the things that we do as a church family in our youth ministry are about loving God and loving people. And, and what we want to do is begin to meet people where they already are and tell them about Jesus there. 
And that's what the miracle of the method of Christmas is all about when God comes down. Too often when we talk about Jesus, we, we kind of skip forward and we talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. It's great. It's important. That's part of the salvation experience that we understand and accept that. But Jesus can't die on the cross if he isn't born. If, if Christmas doesn't happen, that, that's, that's the important part. Jesus came to us. God wanted to model to you and I what it looks like to be a part of something, to bring it back to God. And we've met Jesus. If you're here tonight, you, you know Jesus, you have a relationship with him. You and I have to answer the question about whether or not we're going to participate in that. You may have, have driven around with your family uh, in Austin or maybe some other places, and you see like a homeless person on the corner, and there's a part of you um, that, that may, I, mean, I want to you know, give them some money, or I want to buy them a meal, or I want to ask them how they got there. When you're at school and, and one of your friends maybe has a, a life crisis going on, maybe they have a family member uh, who's sick, maybe somebody passed away, or just something, parents going through a divorce, parent lost a job, there's all kinds of things that happen, and, and, and you feel this, uh, man, I, I want to I step in and help in some way. You've probably experienced that before. When our friends are getting together just to hang out, and you're like, oh, I want to be there. I want to be a part of building relationships with them and getting deeper and going further in our relationships. Um, you, you've probably felt some of those things in your life. And, and, and again, if you're here and you know Jesus, that's probably a prompting of the Holy Spirit getting you to want to, to accept this invitation, to participate in the story of God and what he's doing. That There's a fancy like theological word for that and for kind of this, this concept, and it's called um, being incarnational. And we get it from Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. Jesus comes down. God comes down in the form of Jesus, and it's to model this idea of meeting people where they are so that they could come to know God. Paul calls it being all things to all people. Uh, Paul says we became all things to all people that they might come to know God. We have the ability to be incarnational in our everyday lives. In fact, a lot of you probably do a little bit of that anyway without even really realizing we have these normal traffic patterns that we travel in. You have your normal morning routine. If you ride the bus, there's probably the same group of people that you hang out with there while you wait for it in the morning. If you get to school a little early, you probably sit uh, at, a, at the same table with the same group of people. You hang out with them. You have these unique spaces, and I do too, that, that we are at that nobody else does. There's, there's nobody else that's the middle child in your family or the youngest or the oldest. There's, there's nobody else that plays the position on your team that you play when you play it. There's, there's nobody else um, that's the leader of the Bible study that you're the leader of. There's no one else that's you in your classes. You see what I'm saying? That you have, you and I have these, these specific places that we're at in our worlds that nobody else is. And, and we develop... Um, this, this shared language, attitudes, personalities with these peoples. And, and for us, some of that is, is influenced by who Jesus is in our life. John chapter 1 uh, talks about the incarnation this way. And I'm going to read it out of the message because I really like the way that, um, that he uh, words it here. But if you want to flip in your Bible to John chapter 1, or if you have the U version up, it's right there uh, in the app for you. He says, uh, The word was first, the word present to God. God present to the Word. The Word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without Him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. 
The lifelight blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. There was once a man, his name was John, sent by God to point out the way to the lifelight. He came to show everyone where to look, what to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. The lifelight was the real thing. Every person entering it, he brings, entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice him. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and, who, and would do what he said, he made, the, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. These are the God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. In verse 14, he says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. John's gospel of the four is, is not like a chronological one. He doesn't necessarily follow the events of Jesus' life. In, he's not concerned with the order in which the events of Jesus' life happened unlike the other Gospels. And some people are like, that's confusing. And it is a little bit, but it is a theological Gospel. John is concerned with the truth of who Jesus Christ is and communicating that to people, and it starts here. He says in verse 14, Dave, throw that slide up. Um, right, right here. Nope, next one. Okay, I didn't put it up there like I thought I did. I'm going to read it again. Um, he says in verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Hey, there it is. That's awesome. Um, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God, who was perfect, came down to the world that was imperfect to be a part of it. God is, and we've talked about this from time to time, God is the creator of everything. Anything that you and I have ever experienced or known, God created it. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Isaiah 55, uh, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. That is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's this whole section in, in the end of Job, if you're like interested uh, in seeing God get a little salty. Um, Job and his buddies, like Job's friends really throughout the whole book, and like, hey, Job, what did you do to God? Why don't you just confess? And Job's like, hey, guys, I didn't do anything. And in the end, Job's like, hey, God, what gives? And God's like, <laughs> listen, where were you when I made everything? And, and he spends like two chapters just talking about this, really, really saying, um, explaining how little we are ever going to know or understand about who God is and why God does what God does. So we can spend time asking, why would God come down? This perfect, unknowable God. Why would he come down in the form of uh, a human, a person, who is susceptible to all kinds of things that God is not? Why would an unknowable God become Jesus to experience the human condition, to live and die for us and become knowable to us? A lot of biblical and theological answers that we could give to that. But, but maybe the answer is, is what if that's not the point that we have an answer? Maybe the answer is that there are things that God's going to do that we are not going to understand, but we're still called and invited into participating in the story that God is telling, the plan that God is carrying out, you know, because of faith 
and obedience. And because God does miraculous things, like, like take a young woman and, and grow uh, himself inside of her to be born, uh, to, to, to live and model what it means to, to show people how to come back to God. It's a miraculous thing. We talk about the miracle of Christmas. That's what we're talking about. What if you took to heart that the miracle of the Methodist Christmas is that you're invited into God's story and begin to change some of the things you do and some of the way you live, even if you just said, all right, during December, this Christmas holiday time, I'm going to change some things because of the miracle, the method of Christmas, that God came down, that I'm going to go to some places. I really only have one to-do action thing for you tonight. It's, it's not really complicated. It's pretty simple. Um, you can be more intentional about being incarnational. You can be more intentional about being, you can do it on purpose. I said earlier, you, you have opportunities to be incarnational every single day. You interact with people, even if it's just the family in your home. When you're at school, you probably look and act and talk like uh, the people that you hang out with. If you have a job, when you're at work, you probably look and act and talk like some of those people that you're there with. And, and probably without realizing it, if, you, if you're a Christian and, and you are making your faith life a priority, there, there is some Jesus in there. So I, I don't mean to say that you don't already look and act and talk like Jesus, but what I'm asking is, do you do it on purpose? Do you think about it? Are you asking yourself, how do I love people? and love God where I am? How do I love people and love God with my group of friends that I eat lunch with every day? Most of you are in school every day. What would it look like for you uh, to reach the people in your school building that, that are not being reached, that don't already know Jesus, that don't have a church home because they've not had somebody reach out to them and say, I want to tell you about who Jesus is in my life. And, and you're classes, on your team, and whatever extracurriculars you participate in, how could you be intentional, do things on purpose to talk to them about who God is? You start uh, asking a group of people if they want to start getting to school early, like on a Tuesday morning, and talk about who God is in your life, who God could be in their life. Maybe that's too much for you. Uh, maybe you could start just by asking somebody how you can pray for them, and then uh, you know, actually praying for them, that's good. Uh, but you, you could say, hey, why don't, can I pray for you right now? Can I pray about that right now? Here, um, if you were in the main service probably a month or so ago, um, the, we had a guest preacher, and he, he said that um, there's a statistic, like 80% of people, if you ask them, hey, can I pray for you, are going to say yes, and they're going to give you something to pray about. That, that's pretty good odds that somebody you're interacting with is going to say yes. So, so, hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, can I pray for that right now? And then later on, following up. How's this going? This thing that we prayed about, what's going on with that? Start learning more about who they are, the people that you interact with. And I'm talking about the people that you know well, like your close friends maybe that you sit with at lunch, the people you play on a team with, people that you sit with in class. Because odds are, if you're anything like I was in high school, you know them pretty well, but you really don't go very deep with them. And that's just sometimes part of being a human. That, that we, we get guarded. We, we don't want to open up about who we are. And so 
if you want to reach people for Jesus, you may have to be the person that takes that first step and says, this is something going on in my life and I need you to know about it. Uh, but, but even beyond those people that you already know well, that you're already probably a little bit close with, maybe people that you don't interact with regularly, that you see regularly, but you don't make it a point to engage them. Ask them about uh, what their family is like ask them about their favorite TV shows. Ask them about the things that they like to do for fun. It's a lot easier to talk to somebody about who God can be in their life if you know something about them. If you're talking to them on a regular basis and know about the things that are going on in their life. Some of you guys may know this already. It's not like a secret. Uh, at the end of December... Uh, Hillary and I, I'll, I'll be leaving First Baptist Georgetown. Hillary and I are going to plant a church in our apartment complex. Uh, we, we feel like, uh, and this started several months ago, and it's just kind of worked out that I'm getting to talk about this tonight, uh, that for us, being incarnational means means reaching the people that we're living with every single day. And there's some of them that we, that we kind of know pretty well, the people who live below us, and that's mostly because we spend a lot of time apologizing that our son runs around the apartment all day, every day. Um, the, the people who kind of live next to us that, that we kind of interact with on a regular basis. Uh, but we felt God specifically call us to those people because we are where they are. We live similar to how they live. Um, and, and, and they're not being reached by people right now. And, and I know that because nobody in that apartment complex is trying to reach me. And, and so, so part of this came out of us kind of asking God, what do you want from us? What, are you, what does it look like for us to be obedient to you right now. Um, so I'm going to get a chance to, uh, to work at Starbucks. I've started that already, really excited about it. I get a lot of free coffee, uh, which could be awful and could be the best thing ever. Jury's still out on that. Uh, and so, but, but I get already, uh, I've had opportunities to, to kind of build some influence into the lives. I've worked like three shifts and I've had opportunities to build some influence and some space into the lives of the people that I work with there because I've taken so seriously what, what God says about um, reaching the people where they are. And so one of the things that, that we're going to do uh, as kind of an early step in this is we're going to invite the people. There's 10 buildings in our apartment complex. We're going to invite the people just in our building um, to, to come by our house in the next couple of weeks. We're going to make some invitations and uh, put them on people's door uh, to come by for like a hot cocoa meet and greet because hot cocoa is delicious and people like to hang out and drink hot cocoa. Uh, and so we're going to have like some Christmas music on or maybe a Christmas movie. Uh, and we're going to decorate some cookies because cookies are delicious. And we're going to drink some hot cocoa and, and get to know some of our other neighbors that we haven't been really getting to know on purpose, uh, on purpose, because we believe that's important. We believe that's what God has called us to do where we are right now. We live next to these people every day. We see them. We say, hi, how are you? Great. I'm carrying my 800 groceries up and trying to keep my son from picking up the dog poop on the ground. Uh, you're doing the same thing. It's great, great. Uh, we we want to live together with these people on purpose. You can take that hot chocolate idea, totally do it in your neighborhood for free. That's for you. You can take that and do it today. Uh, some of you know Jackson Sorba. He's here tonight. His mom, uh, sh- say that again. Sherba. Sherba. I say it wrong all the time. I'm sorry, Jackson. Will you forgive me, please? No. Okay. All right. That's really sweet. <laughs> I'm going to pray for your soul. Um, 
his mom, uh, there's, a, there's a national ministry called Laundry Love, and his mom brought that to Georgetown. And so once a month, they and a group of other people uh, get together at the laundromat across the street from Dos Salsas, because if Jesus was going to hang out anywhere in Georgetown, it would be at Dos Salsas. Uh, and they, uh, they load up the washing machines and the dryers with quarters so that people can come and do their laundry. This, and I don't mean this like rude, this may actually be a shock to some of you, not everybody you know owns a washer and dryer in their home. There are people that that is not a reality in their life. And so they have to go somewhere like a laundromat. That's why they exist, to do their laundry. And for a lot of people, that's expensive. One of the first places Hillary and I lived, we didn't have a washer and dryer in our house that would work and not burn our house down. So we had to go to a laundromat. It gets expensive, y'all. Uh, and so this is a really simple, really easy way that they said there's a need going on. People need to do their laundry, uh, and, and we want to show them the love of Jesus just by putting some quarters in the machine and talking with them and finding out more about who they are. Um, the, these are two uh, simple things. You could do this hot cocoa thing in your neighborhood. You can talk to Jackson tonight, um, or you can look on Facebook about getting involved with Laundry Love um, and, and doing that when the next one comes up. These are two really simple things. Or you can ask yourself, okay, on my team, uh, in, my, uh, in, in the band that I'm in, in the group of people that I sit with in this class, what would it look like? Where are they um, emotionally, spiritually? Where do they live? What do they do? Where do they hang out? And how can, how can I enter into that and tell them about who Jesus is? You're in places that I'm not. You have access to places that I'm not don't, and that the other people sitting in this room may not, the, the, the youth ministers who work with you every Sunday probably do not, that First Baptist Georgetown can't. You're in a really, really unique position to enter into people's lives where they already are and tell them about who Jesus is, because God entered into the world to tell us about who he was. You have to ask yourself, um, how you're going to use this holiday season, really, to, to engage people with the miracle of Christmas. Christmas is a really, really easy time to talk with people about God and invite them to church. I'm not saying that there are no people who are, like, violently against religion at the holiday. I'm sure they exist. You live in Georgetown, Texas. They're probably not around you, okay? You have an opportunity to talk to people say, hey, why don't you come to Collide with me next Wednesday night? We're talking about Christmas, uh, but you come hang out with me. Or if, if you feel like they may not come to this, you can invite them to YouTube night. You have an opportunity. Christmas is a really easy time. Most people are going to say, yeah, I'd come check it out. I'd come check out your, your youth group. I'd come check out your Christmas Eve thing. Maybe, maybe instead of doing that, maybe you invite them over to come have a, a, a meal with your family over the Christmas break. Or you make it a, a point to hang out with them over the Christmas break. Go get coffee. Go uh, have a meal together, out to eat somewhere. You know people that I don't know. You interact with people that I don't interact with. You have an opportunity to enter into their lives in a way that, that I'm not going to. And so I, I, I've responded to God's call in my life about what it means to be incarnational. You, you have the opportunity to do that in the world you live in and in the places that you inhabit. You're not all going to get a call to drastically change uh, your life in, in, in the way uh, that we are, and that's okay. But we all, all of us who, who, who know Jesus, who are Christians, get the opportunity to bring the message of Jesus to the people that we interact with on a daily basis. 
into your classrooms, into your schools, into your groups of friends, onto your teams, into your carpool, onto your bus, wherever it is that you find yourself on a regular basis. The miracle of the method of Christmas is that this unknowable God has invited us to participate in the story that he's writing in the here and now. And this Christmas, how are we going to respond in such a way that people get, to, get a chance to see and know who God is? You pray with me?